You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Good evening, guys, gals, as we take you through another episode of Locked On Browns, your local experts on the biggest stories. Pete Smith along here for the ride. we got a bunch to get to Browns-wise. We're going to hit on a couple of things here league-wise, some interesting pieces there. Um, But... Uh, so as we roll on through the daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, um, Pete, first things first here, uh, the Chad Thomas incident today, um, look, you know, I, we all have our takes on players or whatever, but this is just one where it just halts, and it's about the best for a young man in a scenario. Um, ultimately, a whole bunch of, you know, ended up being immobilized, you know, Joel Batonio talking about how it puts a damper on practice, talking about good things where, look, everything seemed okay, you know, extremities moving, but, you know, this is the way it's got to be now. You can't take any chances. Um, he did get back to the facility, a neck sprain. Um, but Chad Thomas today, I mean, it's a little scare. And, you know, Pete, you know, we've all been around the game in some capacity, whether it's coaching it, playing it. And this is just like one of those ones where it's just like, all right, time the hell out. And he kind of remember that, you know, even though you think you're in the greatest shape in the world, I mean, this game sometimes can be a little bit unforgiving. Sure. Uh, it has to be terrifying for a player uh, because, you know, even if you think it's, you know, it's not the end of the world, you're being strapped to a board, immobilized, uh, that probably induces a little bit of panic. Uh, even if they're telling you all the right things, you are being strapped down, uh, to, even if it's a precautionary measure, which has to send, uh, you know, do a little bit of a, a panic, uh, worried about, you know, your life. Uh, you know, those around you, all those type of things. And meanwhile, you've got everybody else sort of looking around going, oh, my God, I hope he's okay, uh, you know, and, and thinking about their own sort of football mortality and, 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 and the most callous nature of the way the game is sort of played, you know, you cart a guy off and you're expected to essentially move down 10 yards and, and pick up practice or, or pick up the next play and you're, you're supposed to try to Play, pick, pick up the intensity again, which is very difficult to do. It's, uh, it's not a normal human reaction to something like that. So it's, it's, it's not good on any level. Now, it seems to be that it wasn't a serious injury, which is obviously uh, you know, a relief for everyone involved, but especially Chad Thomas. Uh, if it's just an extra strain, it's unclear you know, how long he'll be out. Uh, unfortunate for him because, you know, I, I think at least according to PFF, Washington had apparently the worst right guard ever to play the game of football, but nevertheless, you know, you want Chad, Th- if you, if you're looking at Chad Thomas and you're saying, well, this, this game is a positive step forward. You're hoping he can get a little momentum and, and pick that up the rest of the preseason. And, and unfortunately this gets in the way of that, uh, that you're sort of stilted in that, progression and you don't know when he's going to be able to get back. You hope he's going to be able to sort of pick off where he pick up where he left off and, and hopefully progress forward. Uh, so this throws everything into sort of a, a holding pattern for him, which is, you know, not what you want to see. And, and, you know, that means more reps for some other guys, but uh, certainly nothing you ever want to see from uh, with anyone. And, you know, part of this is, is, you know, we and we talk about this a lot. There is a lot of Miami Hurricanes on this roster. So Chad Thomas has a lot of, you know, not just friends that since he's been here. I mean, guys he's known three, four, and five years. 
and you know it, it makes for a difficult situation because it's like it's like no nah, man he's just not my teammate dude he's like my boy I've known him for a while so it makes for you know some difficult in the transition to go on and like you said you know and it's it almost seems like the most morbid thing all right you know we'll take it down to the goal line and just let everybody do what they got to do meanwhile somebody's pulling out a DeWalt drill taking somebody's face mask off it's the scariest situation that could possibly happen and you know for Chad you you, you want him look I mean, you want him to go down swinging if it does work out for him if it doesn't work out for him you want him to have every opportunity to you know fight for his roster spot claim it and obviously, you know, week one, you know, I, you know, obviously he got his rocks off against some, you know, but maybe that's one thing he needed was just a little bit of confidence here. Um, so we'll see how the story plays out with Chad Thomas. Obviously, everything, you know, next spring, um, with the next spring, you have z- literally, if they just tell you next spring, you have no idea. I mean, it could be a week, it could be three weeks, who knows where, where we're at with that. But at the end of it all, though, you know, Chad Thomas is going to be okay. And either way, you know, there'll be, you know, another opportunity for Chad Thomas you know, soon enough, you know, where he can get back in there and try to build on at least, you know, what was a promising preseason week one. So that, that that's good to hear because you never want a damper uh, on a camp. Obviously, we talked about the Steelers yesterday. You, you never want something that's just going to kind of halt things and has something in the back of somebody's mind. A um, couple of things league-wise here. Uh, I, Pete, I can't believe Antonio Brown went this far with this. But apparently the league, and apparently what the thing is with Antonio Brown's helmet is, it's 10 years old. So they're not going to allow him to wear it because it is a 10-year-old helmet. If he can find a similar helmet made by Shut, which is one of the big helmet companies, that is at least 9 years old, they'll let him wear it. So maybe he can figure it out. But, oh, my God, the stupidity have gone through with Antonio Brown and this freaking helmet. It's just nonsense at this point. Yeah, um, so there's obviously some sort of superstition angle with this. Um there's also the practicality of it. I guess Tom Brady came out and was complaining that he likes his helmet. But the problem you have is it's not just the NFL. The NFL PA came out and basically said, look, this helmet isn't as safe as these others. We're trying to do you know, the best in terms of player protection we possibly can. So get over it and figure it out. And Antonio Brown, to this point, is basically unwilling to sort of do that uh, and and – the thing is, he could probably, if it's shut, if it's Rydell, if it's freaking uh, the company that's out of Harvard or whatever Ivy League school that, uh, what's it called? The former pro wrestler and where everybody's donating their brains to, exactly. But you could probably get them to come out and make you a custom helmet uh, and, and get this thing figured out so that you're happy. But this is all stupid because in the end... This, you know, what you're basically dealing with is is Antonio Brown saying, "I will happily give up just under thirty million to not play football over a over the helmet." Um, that's obviously not going to happen, and in the end, all this ends up being is a a, a a big nothing thing that gets him out of some practice, I guess. And I don't even know if he's ready to go with his feet, but. On the one hand, you know, I'm sure John, John Gruden is publicly supporting him. On the other hand, he, behind, behind closed doors, he probably wants to kill him uh, because this is we're in August 12th and this guy's this big of a pain in the ass. Uh, they haven't even played a game yet. Just imagine what's going to happen when this thing goes off the rails and they're two and six or whatever. And and when that two and six. <laughs> When all that stuff goes down, and then, and then they really find out how big. But this is just so stupid. Figure it out. Get something done. Again, you could get a help. 
I'm surprised there aren't helmet companies, and maybe there are. They're simply bidding to come out and make him a helmet, like basically craft one for his for his head that would be more comfortable or whatever. But the the antics involved in this thing are just incredibly childish. Oh, uh, there's th- that's 100%. This is like it's the similar equation of you know when my wife or I one of them take you know the, the kids' phones away. No, look, if you're not going to behave, whatever, the phone's taken away. In, like, the pitter-patter and the stomping of the feet that goes afterwards. And, you know, John Gruden's sitting here saying, I had to tell Keyshawn Johnson to go the hell home. And I got to deal with this nonsense for a guy I'm about to pay $30 million to? Um, look, Antonio Brown, you're basically protecting your brain, similar as getting into a car with four bald tires, and the rear brakes and the front brakes are shot. Don't be a jackass. Listen to somebody for once. They're paying a lot of money to protect you, so just listen to that. Uh, Pete, Dak Proscott turned down $30 million? I mean, obviously every contract's got their semantics, but and, – and Dallas, look, I mean, this is where Dallas it, – it's, you know, the brakes are about to beat the boys here because you're about to pay – you got three guys looking to take up about, what, 60% of your salary cap? Maybe close to that number? Um, Dallas has got to figure something out here, but – Look, if Dak Prescott turned down $30 million per year, however it works out, whatever the semantics is, son, what the hell are you doing? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, if they're turning it down, they must believe they can get more. I mean, and and the reality is they probably can, uh, which doesn't speak well to the Dallas Cowboys on this. I mean, there's always this idea that, you know, the next quarterback is supposed to set the market and all that, but, you know, Dak Prescott, I guess some of this is because he plays in Dallas, but it's just like he's not a top-ten quarterback, and you're now talking about paying him top-five money. Uh, So you look at all these things. Amari Cooper is apparently nowhere close in terms of the numbers he's asking for, and then you've got Ezekiel Elliott. and all indications are that ultimately Dallas is going to give in on all these things, completely screw their cap to get these things done. And I, I don't know how they're going to get all these guys under contract. It doesn't kill everybody else. But it would seem like, you know, if you pay Dak Prescott, let's say, close to the $40 million he's asking for, you know, something's got to give somewhere else. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Everybody's sort of trying to get – every cent they can and i mean certainly that's that's their you know prerogative to do that but uh it nobody seems to be terribly concerned about what this is going to do to the dallas cowboys uh going forward so again if he can get it uh more power to him i i don't know where dallas's line is on this but clearly deck prescott's can't think they can get more and, and i'm not disagreeing with them i think they can too i just don't i, I think that's insane uh on the part of the cowboys um i don't know if he's worth it because you always view it versus the open market so i don't know if he's viewed anywhere differently you know like where he's viewed worth this money because obviously a key to that the biggest key to that dallas cowboys offense is ezekiel elliott and the other thing could be is dallas cowboys could be prime cherry picking season here where you can go in and steal away some nice players because they may have committed to the wrong ones Pete's going to get to uh, the blue shoe. We're going to get to some brown stuff here. We're going to get to, you know, some holes that we're concerned about. We're going to get to the benefit or maybe not the benefit 
of joint practices, which we're going to have as team heads of Indy for a couple of those. So Pete's going to hit you with the blue shoe here. Right. So nothing seems to be a better aphrodisiac than for, for, for folks to think I'm wrong about something and tell me about it as, as, as fast as humanly possible, uh, which is fine. If that, you know, if I can do that for you, I, I'm more than happy to oblige. Uh, but for the rest of you, uh, and, and particularly when it comes to at home, uh, the good folks at Blue Chew are there to make sure that you're at the uh, top of your game, uh, that you are effectively proving or at least arguing that I'm wrong about something, uh, and, and perhaps more than once. Uh, Blue Chew, that's that's blue like the color. Uh, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients. Uh, as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Uh, and, you know, it's easy to get a prescription. Uh, they're discreet in terms of getting it to you, not that anyone should ever be anything but uh, almost proud of the, well, should be proud of the fact that they're uh, taking care of business on the home front, uh, making the spouse, girlfriend, wife, whatever, as happy as they can be so they can make you happy. Uh, and that uh, goes to the uh, happy wife, happy life part of it. That's certainly uh, part of the equation there. So check out the promo code uh, so they can uh, get you a deal on that and uh, do what you need to do at home. Uh, obviously, the promo code, as always, locked on, capital L, capital O, to the good folks of Blue Chew. We do appreciate the sponsorship, as always, for the podcast. This is one that came from a, a listener today. Um, Pete, we've talked about, you know, and obviously the young linebackers to this point have showed well, which was a concern we had. The defensive line, you know, Devereaux, Lawrence, and even Chad Thomas, we, we saw some things there. Is the question now, is the offensive line the biggest concern? I mean, you know, we saw some, you know, obviously something today from practice where, you know, Baker Mayfield back up against the end zone and, they weren't able to you know, try to run some play action. Cush got blown up. They couldn't handle Miles Garrett. Is the biggest concern right now how this offensive line is going to shape up? Um, yes, but <laughs> that doesn't mean that the other things aren't concerning. Again, uh, Devereaux Lawrence has apparently been doing things in practice well. He had a, a good game. Again, a part of that, I guess, was against the worst right guard ever to play the game of football. So uh, I, 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 I'm very pleased with what i saw from the uh, the backup interior defensive line i thought trevon coley showed some things i thought Devereaux lawrence showed some things so i am hoping that is a preview of things to come uh that that can keep up because that would certainly make uh that part of the game far less stressful and if, if those guys can deliver on that front that would be great to be able to keep guys fresher uh so they can you know keep up the pressure on that uh, I'm extraordinarily concerned about our safety position, not named Demarius Randall, uh, but, you know, certain defensive schemes, you can make that the strong safety, basically the 10th or 11th most important guy. Uh, you can sort of hide them a little bit or at least uh, try to protect from their uh, exposure. So it's, it's definitely the number one concern right now is the offensive line. And so much of that is because uh, you're, you're going from, Kevin Zeitler, who was great, to you're hoping to get at least average play out of Eric Cush. Um, I'm not concerned about J.C. Treader and Joel Betonio. I'm pleased with what I've seen from Greg Robinson. I'm pretty 
uh, okay with what I've seen from Chris Hubbard. I thought he looked better in the first preseason game than he has. I'm hoping that continues. I thought he was very quick to his spots, looked a little bit stronger at the point, which you're all good saying. I, I think so much of this is is because of the right guard position and the fact that Austin Corbett right now is you know, not where he needs to be for them, and that sort of puts a damper on the entire unit as a group. Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think they are pretty much established with that front five unless Corbett, like, really turns it on, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think they've basically made peace with the fact that he's the backup center, which is not good. Uh, Kendall Lamb looked craptacular uh, on some of the reps in, in the preseason game. Kyle Kalis obviously suffered a concussion. He'll he'll obviously back, but be back, but that's not something you want to see. Uh, I'd like to see more from Drew Forbes. Uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised, but I'd like to see more from uh, Brian Finney and Ganofo. Uh, but that is a hundred percent where you, where the concern is right now because Zeitler, you know, obviously made a ton of money, uh, but he was very good in pass protection. You always knew where that protection was going to be. And I, I, you know, I don't think uh, Eric Cush is going to be Cam Irving at right guard. Uh, and you sit, you know, you're obviously saying that, you know, even with Cam Irving, the Chiefs were able to function on offense with Pat Mahomes and everything. But you don't want uh, Pat uh, Drew Baker Mayfield, Jesus Christ. You don't want his his uh, area in front of his feet to be a mess. You don't want guys up in his face. You don't want him to lose that area where he could step up in the pocket so often he was uh able to avoid outside rushes by stepping up uh and, and finding targets or, or pull down and run that those things are of concern so right now yeah i, I think the offensive line is far and away the most uh concerning and it, it, it some of that isn't so much that the offensive line isn't good so much of it is Baker Mayfield is the dude, and you want to make sure he's going to be fine all the time. And for me, the biggest part of it is, is you know, like if you have Odell, you want to be able to have some of these patterns develop, and you want to have these opportunities to hit it deep. Um, what we saw from week one of preseason, there's going to be a lot of underneath stuff. And look, you know, Jarvis Landry should eat a little bit there. Uh, Nick Chubb just continues to grow as a receiver. Hilliard, the one concern we do not have about him is, you know, what, what you can bring out of the backfield. But, I mean, you want to be able to, you know, wh- when it's there and the opportunity, you want to be able to get these these big rips. Um, look, Baker can go either way. I mean, you know, he can dink and dunk and do the short stuff if you need him to. But, you know, what where he really found his groove last year is when the deep stuff opened up. And you're going to need them to at least give him his two to two and a half seconds. That's it. Um, you know, Kush, I think that's it's going to be the key. I, we've talked about this, you know, from Treader to the left. Uh, you know, obviously Joel and Greg, we're good there. I mean, I, I think we know what we got. Um, but you worry about, you know, Kush, if it's not there, then is Hubbard not as confident what he's got to do because it's not Zeitler to his left and, you know, and how all that works out. And the last thing you want to do is to start having to designate people just to help out. And, you know, look, there's always the responsibility of it, and there's the push them to the left, and there's stuff that, you know, some of you guys call screens that essentially aren't screens, they're just dump-offs, but you don't want to get into that. I mean, you have an opportunity here for a even more 
down the field in chunk plays than he did last year. Um, and that's what you know Odell brings you and David David brings you and you know Higgins and Callaway whenever he finds his way back to this team if he finds his way back to this team that's the that's what these guys bring you so you want to capitalize on that and it's got to you know you don't want Baker out of the pocket unless it was designed for Baker to be out of the pocket. Um, if you haven't noticed, uh, Locked On NFL Network, obviously Matt Williamson was doing a great job over there. Brian Peacock's going to join him. They're going to navigate that show. Um, we, I was on a bunch last year. You know, the way the Browns worked and the season rolled um, continues to do this. You know, obviously, you know, always looking for, you know, enjoy the guy, you know, spend time with the guys and over there. But it's, you know, the show's picked up momentum. Um, obviously, Pete and I always bring you league news, but uh, you're looking for other stuff, you know, league-wise. You know, Brian Peacock, Matt Williamson, the Locked On NFL Podcast. They're doing a fantastic job over there. Uh, Pete, wheels will be up soon to Indy. And, you know, you head on over there and we'll see how it works and who actually takes the field, you know. But I think this is going to be a number one. The point of joint practices is enough of beating up on your own. You, You get a little testosterone out and it's, you know, you get to a point where you don't want to beat up on your own. And now you get to go, there'll be two days of, you know, the practice against the Colts before the game on Saturday. Um, but this is going to be interesting. I mean, because you, know, you want to see like a Devereaux Lawrence. Okay, you had a nice week. All right, well, let's see with a couple of reps versus a Quentin Nelson. Um, but Pete, from the coaching aspect of it, like what do you try? I mean, obviously the scrimmage essentially is the preseason game on Saturday. But what are you looking to get out of this? Uh, first and foremost, you want to get, you know, you want you want those competitive juices to flow. You want to see what guys do uh, when they have the opportunity to go against another team. Or you know, you have you can sort of get lulled uh, into you know some complacency, uh, and this could work for or against you. You you can either think you're better than you are or think you're worse than you are based on who you're practicing against in terms of everyday in team. So it can help in terms of giving you a little bit of a barometer to get a sense of where you really are as a team. You obviously want to, you know, you want to go against a, a defense that hasn't been seeing your offense over and over and over again. Uh, you know, and, and it's different in the NFL because they've got a much bigger playbook, but on some level there's, there's a little bit of a, you know, you see the same plays over and over and over. You can start, you know, cheating a little bit or called cheating, but they just, you've seen this, these plays or these route combinations or whatever so many times you can start getting a sense of where things are going to go that a fresh, you know, fresh team won't uh, is working on their own stuff as, as their own stuff to worry about. So uh, there's a little bit of a sense of how does this stuff work against a team that's not necessarily prepared for it or uh, necessarily, game planning against you because nobody is going to be doing that in this type of thing. Uh, the risk is obviously look that, uh, you know, you don't know these guys and you don't give a shit about them and things can go too far, uh, where, you know, you get into fights or you get into a situation where guys get hurt because they don't care. So, you know, if they go a half second too long on something or they, you know, get your quarterback in a way you don't like, even if it's not, you know, necessarily drilling them, uh, there are very, it's, you know, tempers can be shorter. Uh, you can get into some situations you don't like. It's, you know, for 
a lot of teams, I mean, you know, obviously they're doing multiple days of practice. I think the best this is for is for receivers and DBs. Uh, you know, relative, you know, there's there, there's physicality on some level, but it's not the same as, you know, the interior of the defensive line. So you get a lot of good work against guys you haven't seen before and vice versa. I, I think that can re- be really good for getting a sense of where you guys are and really focusing on uh, making sure guys are employing technique. Meanwhile, I think when you get to the lines, I, I, I think that's where you want it to where you want it to go, but on some level it just becomes, you know, uh, guys trying to get over on the other team uh, by any means necessary, and it can get sort of a little bit haphazard. So I I think it's really good for the back seven. I think it can be a little more problematic for those front, the the offensive line and defensive line, but ultimately uh, you want to get out healthy first and foremost, and and you're, you're cautious on that end, but it's, it's, sort of a palate cleanser, and I think that can be really good for for a team. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it gives you, you know, obviously the initial steps before the game, and I agree with you 100%, you know, the... Uh, the coverage aspect of it, you know, the tight ends versus linebackers, safeties, you know, the, you know, the wide receivers and the cornerbacks, um, it, that's not going to lead to much. But, you know, every now and then, it, you know, and a guy, especially a guy like Quentin Nelson, who there is no off switch on and it gets a little down and dirty. Nobody wants to be in that scenario and, you know, felt like, you know, you know, he got put down, he got did over. And that's sometimes where, you know, tempers flare. Um, and, you know, especially with, you know, the fact that you're going to see them again two days later where, you know, it. I mean, I don't want to say it matters, but it does somewhat matter. And it is a weird scenario to do it this way because this could be some sort of rivalry as far as, you know, the next couple of years. You know, the Browns may win the AFC North. The Colts may win the AFC South, which put them on the schedule next year. There could be January matchups, and now it's, you know, where they become a regular opponent year in, year out, and... We'll see how it goes, uh, you know, for the Browns' defense. Uh, if it's not Andrew Luck, though, that should work out pretty well in that respect. Um, after what we've seen to this point, Pete, what Browns rookie do you think has the biggest impact in 19? Oof, that's tough. Um, I mean, this is obviously with Mac riding the high. Um, you know, is it will how quick how you know I mean how quick does Greedy start? I, I mean, I guess it comes down to those two essentially. No. Yeah, I mean, it's not right, be Austin Seibert. <laughs> no, although I guess he's been better, uh, so that you know, that that helps. He's been trending in a much better direction lately. So, I mean, uh, on some level, I suppose it could be uh, Greedy Williams. Man, he's it's going to be tough for him. Uh, he's got to obviously beat out somebody pretty pretty uh, thoroughly. I uh, may be more of a package guy. I think both. Uh, Sione Takitaki and Mac Wilson can be in for roles. Like if Mac Wilson ultimately proves that this is just his deal where he's great in coverage and he's going to make plays on that, he could eat into Chris Kirksey's reps easily his past situation. So he could, you know, if that, if that becomes a, a, a continuing thread for him and, and, you know, obviously we have two interceptions uh, in the first preseason game, it, it doesn't matter how bad Dwayne Haskins was. Uh, those are you know, that's still a huge stat line and obviously impact and obviously the the second pick in particular the first one was a late birthday gift the se- the fr- second one was a great great play by Mac Wilson he did everything right on that and freaking pulled down 
the ball like I wish some of our tight ends could. Uh, so obviously, you know, you don't expect him to go out and intercept every pass uh, the rest of this preseason. But if he can just continue to show a knack in that coverage thing, uh, that has been obviously a little bit of a bugaboo for Chris Kirksey the last couple of years, and he's a, he can be a nice run defender. But And, and especially if you're not sold on where this, this safety group is going, then you could see more and more of Mac Wilson sort of fi- figuring into that group. I think he's going to obviously play special teams and that that stuff. So, look, I, I think the 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 favorite is is Greedy Williams, but some of these other guys, the, particularly the linebackers, uh, could 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 find themselves in roles. I think Sione Takitaki is is uh, has already shown he's really effective on special teams. He's in on a lot of stuff. Uh, Mac Wilson could certainly help in that that facet, but it's difficult to, for me to believe that Greedy Williams won't ultimately find a way to make a big, bigger impact now. Uh, but the other thing that could really uh, lean this into Mac Wilson or, or Taki Taki's direction is if there's an injury, uh, because there just isn't the depth that some of these other positions are. So. Those three make the most sense. I, I get you know, if I have to be put on one of them, I'll take Greedy. Uh, but those guys stand out. I, I'm not. I I don't think Sheldrick Redwine is there, uh, and, and I you know Drew Forbes is a year away at least. Uh, the kicker you know has a shot if he continues to 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 you know rally and and get better and better. Maybe he he can ultimately uh, take that job. Uh, but right now, Greedy Williams still has to be the favorite. Well, I mean, also, though, but, I mean, you look at the way, if it's a 4-2-5, obviously what's going to be played most, a lot of defensive backs. So if Greedy progresses and I've seen the blown coverage and obviously people have been making a bunch of it, um, you were relying on a communication between two rookies in their first live NFL action. And guess usually what happens is the first thing that evaporates is communication um there was no veteran there if maybe if it was eric murray as opposed to red wine eric murray would have been this is where we're at now um you're just trying to read react and the communication was there whatever i mean it's you know we're, we're certainly not concerned about that um but he did rebound well obviously with an interception so I, I do think it'll be greedy um you certainly can't sleep on mac wilson at this point um taki taki maybe his role would not be as significant where it would, you know, if Mac does what he can do or Greedy does what he's going to do, that maybe, you know, you know, Taki Taki would lose in that respect. But, you know, a great point, though, definitely on the injuries, or even the fact that one of these kids, and this is one of the things we talked about with Christian Kirksey, is, yeah, everyone wants to talk about the injuries, but, you know, the play last year was not exactly. I'm very curious to see if, if Sione Taki Taki isn't featured against the Ravens. That's the one part of this where I'm curious if he, if, if they're going to be that heavy, you know, wherever Lamar players. is, I am going to light him the hell up. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. That the, would that be guy, the plan. Yes. I, I would a hundred percent do that with Sione Taki Taki. He's going to hit him and he's going to hit him hard. And as Pete always loves to say, uh, there's certain guys where they hit you and you stay hit. Sione Taki Taki is certainly one of those. And then, you go in the Wayback Machine uh, for the Browns when when they dealt with Michael Vick, who the Cleveland Browns weirdly owned. Uh, <laughs> there was a linebacker by the name of Leon Williams, who was a fourth round pick out of the University of Miami, who surprise, played surprise. spy and just followed Michael Vick out anywhere he went, 
and that was the uh, that was the way it worked, and they were successful and managed to beat him doing that. So I will be curious to see if Taki Taki doesn't do the exact same thing. Uh, and he would probably relish an assignment of that. Pete, uh, league-wise, Brown-wise, uh, you know, obviously we got to show up yesterday, another one today. Anything we've missed? If there is, I didn't see it because I haven't had a chance to look at much of anything. So uh, I, the only thing I saw earlier was some concerns over a quarterback who happens to play for the Chicago Bears. I'm not surprised. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> that uh, Mitch Trubisky isn't quite where they would like him to be. Uh, so we'll see where that ultimately goes. But, you know, I, whether he's Mark Sanchez or a little bit better, that's, you know, that's the whole thing for them. They're, if they can go, if they're going to go to the playoffs uh, or, or make a run for the Super Bowl. Or win a uh, playoff game. Right. But then that it's a hundred percent going to be how, how far can Trubisky take us? So I'm curious to see where that goes. Uh, obviously, you've got this Dak Prescott stuff. Meanwhile, I'm happy to have a quarterback who's better than both. Uh, yeah, it, it's nice to have uh, six. Uh, six kind of right now is paying the bills for everybody. So uh, Baker Mayfield, certainly appreciated. Browns, Maven, Pete, what's in the hopper? Uh, today, I did a thing talking about how uh, the trades the Browns have made you know, obviously souped up the defensive line, the receivers, and got a draft pick. Uh, but we are starting to see, uh, you know, the the holes that sort of create, or the pressure that creates on those other spots. Uh, and obviously right guard is not where we'd love it to be. Uh, there's some questions at some of those other spots. Obviously, Dontrell Hilliard debuted preseason with a little bit up and down. Uh, but, you know, and that's, there's no question that that uh, that uh, as as long as they're healthy, that Olivier Vernon and Odell Beckham don't lead to more wins than having Jabril Peppers or uh, Kevin Zeitler. But nevertheless, you know, the, you know, choices choices were made, and and you know, uh, those things have consequences, and and we're starting to see a little bit of that at those two spots. That maybe you know, as much as they tried to address it, we're not quite as happy is satisfied in those results as, as we'd like to be, but uh, that's sort of how it goes. Um, I'm starting to get like the, the weird feeling that there's something's going to drop. There's going to be a move that's made. Um, now, obviously, they're up to 10 draft point choices for 2020, and we talked about it this year, how this many draft picks were going to make the 19 version of the Browns. How many versions will make the 2020 Cleveland Browns? I'm just getting this feeling that maybe something's going to drop there. Well, apparently, no. uh, the Washington Redskins... Uh, and I'll, I'll chalk this up to I believe I had that are not remotely interested in trading Trent Williams to this point. That's per Adam Schefter. Well, they shouldn't be. Uh, I mean, and we've talked about this. Um, if you invested in Dwayne Haskins, um, you got you got guys. You got you drafted two wide receivers. Um, you're still waiting to see on you know obviously the kid at a TCU. Um, it's just play and look. You don't want to put Dwayne Haskins with, with Donald Penn. Eric Flowers at left tackle. Yeah, that that's a really, really dumb, dumb move. Um, and obviously, Sue Cravens was another one who spoke about it today. Um, you know what? It's a lot easier to appease your left tackle and throw your training staff out and admit that maybe you, you, you did some wrong, which is all these guys are apparently looking for. That's fine. It, it, John Hopkins is like, what, 20 minutes away? It's like one of the best medical institutions in the world. 
go grab some people from there. You know, upgrade it. Make your players happy. Ridiculous at this point. Uh, Pete, uh, let everybody know where they can find the work and you know, what everything that's going on with uh, Browns Maven. At underscore Pete Smith uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Uh, Browns Maven. Uh, you know, it's Google it or whatever. Uh, the this transition to Sports Illustrated, uh, you know, shouldn't impact in terms of being able to find the site or anything, but that is ongoing. So we'll see where that, if, if that has any impact at all, it should hopefully just make things, you know, better. Uh, so other than that, I mean, uh, there's, there's something up every day, uh, video wise. So there's always a reason to check it out. And the other thing, though, is if you go over to, uh, obviously, brownsmaven.com, which may change, the the SI may go in in there. Um, But, you know, go over there, become a member. And the best part is it's a little break from social media because if you're going to get into that, it's going to be talking with Browns, folks. Um, And this is part of what's going on. Like, you know, Pete's got a lot going on, obviously, with the coaching. It's summer for me. There's moving parts everywhere. Um, There's going to be stuff from the show coming out on Google. Um, There'll be one-minute segments, five-minute segments. And part of it is, is when, for similar for Pete, similar for me, when you work for other people, it's like some of it's a wait and see approach, some of it's hurry up and wait. And look, it's going to be good because we're going to give you a lot of avenues of content. But you know, usually the people who are providing the content are the last to know. So just bear with us. Look, we're going to get the show to you as much as we possibly can, day in, day out. That's the good part. There's going to be more. Uh, the problem is we're not just sure of the X's and O's of it. So we're, you know, we're kind of flying through it. Um, in Ohio, school's about to start here. Pete's going to be more on a regular schedule. So it'll be easier for that standpoint, which is weird because, like, my kids are, like, almost a month away from even starting school. So it's crazy. But the one thing you'll have is you will have your Locked on Brown sit-downs. So don't worry about that. We've got all that for you. Uh, obviously, always a blast with Pete here. And I always appreciate him uh, jumping on for the local experts on the biggest stories on Locked on Browns. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.